1: back to the World Football Program, Saturday morning, 10 o'clock to 12 noon. Myself, Penny Tannerhoth and Miranda Templeman in the studio. Good morning, Miranda. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Penny. Football's almost finished for the regular season on the women's side. Um, finals all over the place. Yeah. And lead ups to those. My MFC's, uh, I'm going to call it the stadium, not the turf. So the, the Murdoch Stadium will be used for some of those mm-hmm. Thursday game. On the turf, so keep an eye out on Football West for what's happening there. Games all through the weekend, games last night, games today mm-hmm. for men's, women's, finals, cups, carnivals, all kinds of things starting all over the place at the moment. It's going to be a very busy summer.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, with the WNPL, they've got semifinals on a Thursday and then the final on a Sunday. So it's all jam-packed. It is jam packed, so I hope
1: the grounds are going to stand up all over the place mm-hmm. and the rain that has been sneaking in overnight will stay away <laughs> just for a few more weeks, just right through maybe October. Mm-hmm. I think all the carnivals will probably be out of the way in October, but then all the summer five asides and eleven sides and all that will start. It'll be interesting to see how that goes with the changes to the seasons and the accommodation for the summer sports. Yeah. Making. Uh, multi use of the grounds or using different grounds or however that goes. Um, the usual carnivals, there's the Bunbury Carnival happening. Um, then there's the Fremantle Fiverr Carnival happening. Um, then there's all the indoor sports of uh, West Coast futsal and mm-hmm. the Bibber Lake tournaments and all those kind of things happening. So everyone's already talking about those. And that's good that people are talking about them. It means that they are energetic and uh, motivated to keep playing more football. Yeah. I hope that means that teams will stay together and uh, numbers that might have been a bit low through the COVID period for clubs and teams and whatever will build up and stay together and grow again and be back to normal and better for next year. Yeah. I don't know if that will actually happen. but um, (laughs) That's the hope. (laughs) Well, it is, yeah. Um, Clubs are advertising left, right and centre for Mm -hmm. summer programs now. Uh, Football West is certainly doing that. They're kick it programs. On the show today, our guests look like this. We'll have a chat to Football West, Alex Novatsis, who always knows what's happening everywhere in Football West, around the grounds and programs and leagues. Tracy Wheeler, former Matilda and goalkeeper coach for Mum FC, Murdoch University, Melville Football Club, Mum FC. I just say Melville to my girls still. Yeah, I'm I still call them yeah. Melville. <laughs> Good old. There's some of us that still remember that. <laughs> Give it a couple of years and the young uns won't remember that. It'll just be Mum. <laughs> Um, Tracy, Tracy will uh, have a chat about women's football and uh, Mum FC have wrapped up the season proper, mm-hmm. the league as such. Um, won all draw last night. Cracker of a goal by Kat Yukic. Yep. Um, I don't know what you call it but the fancy flick back, Robina? Robona. Rub- Robona, yeah, that's nice the one. Yeah.
2: Robona from outside the box, <laughs> just chip the keeper. Yeah. It, can it do looks it. brilliant when it comes off, doesn't it?
1: Oh, it does, yep. It doesn't matter from where it happens. If it happens, it's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. We'll have a chat to Adam Nankin, who is an inclusive football consultant, and he'll have a chat to us about what inclusive football is, where it is, and uh, how it happens in the football community here in Perth. We'll have a chat to the Perth Soccer Club president, Gary Marrocki, Perth Soccer Club, one of our more successful clubs in Perth since the year dot and now with... Women's NPL and men's NPL at uh, the mm-hmm. club have uh, certainly got a good profile in the sport in the community, and they've done well with women's football this year. Perth Soccer Club finishing well. The, the league hasn't finished yet, but second they've, on yeah, the table. Yeah, they've
2: confirmed second okay. with um, Fremantle's draw last night. Yep.
1: yep. Yeah, so good on them. I know Gary would be very happy about that. Uh, a few naysayers out there and <laughs> I must admit I was a bit reserved about Perth coming into the league and uh, not having a, a high level women's uh, football team. Um, you know, we talked about um, things like Queen's Park not being part of the inaugural Women's National Premier League here in Western Australia and what that meant to football. So yeah, there was reservations and uh yeah, you know, Perth Soccer Club have done a fantastic thing. They've got a great coach in um, Daniel Brogan and they've got a great squad together and mm-hmm. since the beginning of the year they've just gone on an upward t- trajectory. So, you know, all hail the club for doing whatever they did and providing the resources that they did. They yeah,
2: done yeah. yeah, and I do think that um, talking to the players and Brogan, it has been um not just on the field but off the field. The support they've gotten from the club is very amazing and, you know, dinners up in the club room after games and stuff like that. So when you have that sort of environment, it really um, eggs on the players to do well as well. Yes, and that's part of
1: creating a culture Mm. and it creates retention and loyalty at the club, Uh, all those kind of things that you put into a lifestyle or an environment, create a culture that people want to be a part of, Yeah, lasting legacy, and Perth do that pretty well. They've got a nice club rooms upstairs, Yeah. so it's a nice place to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have uh, big thanks to give to our partners. We've got West Coast Futsal, Greg Farrell, and the team there. They have five-a-side indoor football. That's the futsal competition at West Coast. The Superliga is their premier competition, and I believe that's underway now with the uh, men's and women's for the summer and the junior Leagues are yet to start and I think they'll be Saturday mornings from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll put some more information on the World Football Programme Facebook page about that. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine, family business that build fencing and gates, raw iron, sliding gates, automation and gate and fence hardware WA for hardware online to help you repair and build lots of things and there are lots of things getting repaired and built at the moment with Um, people transferring to different employment uh, types in and out of Perth and um, just around home more and working remotely and attending to things that didn't attend to before. So certainly a, a different look and a different feel across some industries around Perth. Thank you everyone for supporting us, members and listeners. We do appreciate it, especially the likes of The Ian Dennis's and the Peter Wright's who jump (laughs) on and comment very regularly to the page and also post information. We do appreciate it, guys and girls. (laughs) Thank you very much. We're going to go to a break and we'll come back and talk more football with Alex Novatsis. This is Penn and Miranda on the World Football Programme.
3: 107.9 FM, your local station. 107.9
4: FM.
0: The World Football Programme is a community programme run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support.
5: Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor.
6: West Coast Futsal
7: Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club. Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick-around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at high-level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in up on weekends and the Male and Female Super League competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 881343. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny Hoth and Miranda Templeman in the studio. And we didn't do our usual opening kind of comment for the week. Miranda, what's your news of the week in football?
2: Um, yeah, I definitely think that the um, AFC qualifiers will be hosted in Australia this year for the youth team. So the under-17s will be in Cresnock in New South Wales and the under-20s in uh, Shepparton in Victoria, so both country towns. Um, I think that'll be a great step for football in Australia, you know, trying to become a hub in the AFC and centralise it. So, yeah, great step forward. It is a great
1: step forward. And we were talking about the exodus, so to speak, of players out of Australia and what that's going to mean for building well, the, the youth and the pathway to the Women's World Cup, for example, retaining mm-hmm. players in the A-League and whatever. So if we can have as many... Events here in Australia that's going to mean that they need to come back here to Australia or stay in Australia, and that's good for building the pathways of football. Um, for me, mm-hmm. uh, the appointment of the Matildas coach—he yeah. looked like a great fit. So uh, Tony, G- I'm not sure how to pronounce his surname Gustafsson. I'll go with that. Yeah. Might get shortened to just Tony, I reckon. <laughs> um, and also uh, a bit of news with uh, 80-year-old Peter Webster from Wollongong retiring from football after 65 years of playing football yeah. from the age of 15. It was incredible. That's that that kind of length. In football shows, he's passionate. He's kept fit. Mm-hmm. He loves the game, and just think of all the things, uh, events, and mentoring that he could have put into football over that time. But that's yeah. that was just such a highlight of my week. <laughs> uh, Alex, good morning to you.
6: Good morning. How are you, ladies?
1: Yeah, we're very well. Just uh, bantering a bit about news of the week uh, for us, um, talking about the AFC and um, the appointment of the new Matildas coach, which hopefully is going to be a good thing for not just women's football, but maybe give a bit of profile to football in Australia at this moment because we need some positive things to raise the profile of football in Australia at the moment, Alex.
6: Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and he's, you know been part of uh Two winning World Cup squads and uh, coaching them to World Cup wins, and uh, it, it brings not just the experience of playing in World Cup, coaching World Cups, but also what it takes to winning it as well, and, and bringing that uh, environment and, and what the, the what the teams will require to, to actually you know go that step further than what they have previously. So it's a great, really, really great appointment that uh, James Johnson has done, and, uh, and the team at FFA as well.
1: Yes, and if. Uh yeah, listen to the criteria upon which uh, he was selected as the final candidate. Leaving a legacy or contributing to a legacy was one thing that really hit home with me. Is that if I think of all the former coaches of the Socceroos and the Matildas, I think that what we need in football is they've had some kind of contribution into the football landscape that allows the next coach to step in and then continue that same pathway that benefits football. And I I look at Tony, the new Matildas coach, and I think everything about him seems to lend to that. And I'm quite excited by that thought.
6: Yeah, Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, And that's what it's all about, leaving that legacy um, and starting everything up and and ensuring that there's there's a pathway for, for the next coaches to, to continue on and, and, and build on on what he's uh, out to achieve as well. So, um, yeah, absolutely great. And, and really presented well um, in terms of uh, the interview that was done and, yeah, really exciting times ahead.
1: Yep, absolutely. And uh, just moving over to local football, how is Football West settling into their new offices into West Perth?
6: Yeah, good. So we're now in West Perth, as you mentioned. Uh, Yeah, really good. Um, Hopefully, fingers crossed, this is our last move until we move into our home of football, which is for 2023. 2023. Um, So we're just, uh, yeah, in the process of now planning and getting everything organised for for the football centre. But yeah, the new place is great. Um, no, No problems at all. And and really, as long as oh, I'm happy, as long as I've got a place, uh, test for my laptop and <laughs> get everything organized, uh, you know, all good to go. Main, the important thing is that we've got grounds, I think, and it's not about the, the, the administration and the staff that have got offices. It's about getting grounds and games out on the field.
1: Yes. So you did say that uh, you did say State Football Centre in the same sentence as West Perth. So yeah. you'll be staying or footballers will be staying at West Perth until that centre is built now?
6: I, I, I believe so, yeah.
1: Okay, that's yeah. great. Yeah, it's good to have a bit of stability. How many people are actually um, in the office of Football West compared to working remotely and um, you know out of the office now? I mean, it's just been a different kind of year to operate Football West.
6: Yeah, it has been so. It has been a bit of change in numbers. So it's probably around about that thirty um, within and externally in our within our regions as well. Yep. Um, so you know, ranging from you know Great Southern all the way up to the Kimberleys. Um, with our re- you know, regional development officers. And then, obviously, internally, we've got our staff there, administrators and development officers as well.
1: Yep, yep, that's good. And uh, how are clubs travelling in, in the COVID period in 2020?
6: Well, the exciting thing is we're up to our last round this weekend. So we've achieved what we set out. We've, we've got a whole season done um, with, with finals next weekend with our MPL and, and State League as well. So how are clubs going? Great. Um, everything's been done achieved tick the box um so I'll, I'll, my my understanding my feeling is that cl- clubs are happy um and, and we, we got the season and kids got to play and, and, and adults got to play their, their games as well for the season too
1: yep yep and that's important isn't it it's not just about uh, finals and, and money and and you know the top end of football we got to remember that there's a lot of grassroots football and that's uh i don't know what the percentage uh, weight of kids versus adults is but I suspect there's a hell of a lot more kids playing mm-hmm. football than there is adults and you know, we want to make a good environment for them so that they enjoy it and they want to come back again.
6: Uh, absolutely, and that's what it's about. It's about having an environment for them to play and have it be excited at. Um, so yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Um, so kids can come back and, and, and want to play the following year as well and that's why this year was so important that we were able to achieve games yep. so there's not that 12 month gap where we're Unfortunately, um, some of our um, counterparts in the eastern states weren't able to do so um, in yep. Victoria. Yeah. So, and again, we're, we're very, very lucky, and we count our blessings that we're able to do that.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. So, tell us some of the things that are, that are happening around the traps. I know that country week concluded this week.
6: Yeah, really exciting times. The country week concluded, so there was a thousand kids from from the regions that came down, played it, that had their tournament uh, tournament down at Gokine Reserve. Um, so that that was that concluded yesterday. And then, um, as, as you said, we've got the last rounds today um, for, for the State League and MPL, and, and then the Juniors tomorrow. So just with Country Week, um, really, really exciting. It was touch and go there with COVID, depending on how it was going to go. But, you know, the work that uh, Sarah did with her team and, and Jamie Harmwell and, and everyone to be able to get that up and running was fantastic. And we were able to have all the regions come into person and participate with with. Realistically, numbers that were very similar to other years as well, which is also great to, to hear. As well. G-
1: give us an idea of the numbers of teams. It, and hasn't it been held at Coburn, at Beale Park, until this? Uh,
6: no, hasn't hasn't for a couple of years. Um, so previous to that was UWA. And unfortunately, there was a, a double booking in terms of what had occurred. So we had to find a, a new venue, which we, which we did. Um, and uh, Yocon Reserve, uh, from all accounts, Uh, People were very, very happy. The surface, and and I was lucky enough to go see it, was was like carpet. And and this is something, especially for the kids, to be able to say, you know, I've played on really high standard surface, uh, and to be able to demonstrate their skills is is, is, is so important. Um, So, yeah, it went well. Um, And and, and, and it was exciting, too, because a couple of the finals actually went down to penalties for for the the Mm -hmm. kids. As much as you hate losing them, it is still exciting to be part of something like that.
1: Yep, I think Yokine used to be a bit of a hub of softball. It's uh, opposite the uh, Aquatic yeah, center, I
6: think. Donella Jun- yeah, Donella Junior Soccer Club playing there now. Um, so we managed to get seven pitches plus, sorry, nine, uh, nine pitches plus two small pitches wow. um, across that venue. So it, it's a massive venue and, mm. and really lucky to, to have been able to get it. So, um, yeah, as I said, it's um, worked well and um, credits everyone um, within that team that was able to do that.
1: What's the lead on from teams coming up to country week, Alex? Is there filtering through into programs, identification and that kind of thing?
6: Yeah, there is. So from that, uh, as of today, players will now be ones, there will be some that were selected previously um, that will now go into a country camp. Um, So they'll spend an extra week here in Perth and then they'll take on, um, they will basically uh, have high-quality coaching with the likes of Gary Church, um, Gareth Navin, and uh, that that would take place at Sydney Reserve while they're staying um, at the, one of the schools during the school
1: holidays. Yeah. And, and have they been identified for possible future state team programs or um, Yeah, Yeah, so there
6: is yeah, there's regional state teams that do travel, um, so they'll be identified and looked at for cr- touch wood um, possible travel for next for the next year.
1: Yes, yeah, it's been a bit of a strange one in that, hasn't it? Because Football West have yeah. done a lot of great work in getting teams from Asia over here, and the WA teams travelling over to Asia, getting that real, you know, Asian connection yeah. happening. But and, um, not this year. And
6: that's what it's about. It's it's that Asian engagement. So the, the regional teams have been lucky enough to to travel to Singapore and to Thailand to participate in the Singer Cup um, and it, it also in the Phuket Cup as well. So um, that's where Country countrywide comes comes into, into fold, it's, we're lucky enough to be able to have our teams travel first yep. so we can talent ID them for possible regional state teams that do travel overseas.
1: Yep. And speaking of talent ID, the trials for NTC is up and running uh, through October. Yep. Um, that program's expanding yep. quite a bit. What's the age groups there now?
6: Age groups will be the same for next year again. Um, so there'll be no change uh, in regard to that. Um uh, as I said, it's again, it's an amazing thing, you know. The season's just finished, and we're on into trials. Yeah, um, it's, it's football is now twelve months of the year, which which is great. Um, not so great for the parents, but um, <laughs> uh, sometimes would like to have a break. But yeah, for the kids, it's good to be able to keep playing and and, and enjoying the game they love as well.
1: Yep, and just for the listeners, the NTC group uh, is there an NTC for the boys or just the girls?
6: No, the the NTC that there was previously, Um, that that, that academy is run by Perth Glory uh, in their NPL.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So the NTC girls are in 13s, 14s, 15s, 19s. So that's um, from mixed boys or boys 12s leagues up into the women's NPL.
6: Correct. Yep. So there'll be the 23s MPL and the, the first team MPL. Yeah. And which is that 1915 age
1: group. And, and we'd like to think that players that were identified or filtered through or, or are developed through those programs will move into Perth Glory, W League, national programs, be scouted, and so on. Um, yeah,
6: correct. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Um, and we we're just saying uh, earlier, Alex, end of season, and you're right, there's hardly any break. It's uh, end of season, finals, and then. All of these summer programs, (laughs) Um, there's all all the summer programs kicking in now, like the Bunbury Carnival, the Fremantle Fiverside, all the summer futsal competitions are kicking in. So there's not really going to be a break. But the good thing about that is, Alex, is that they are all kicking in and that um, maybe the crazy season that has just come, the modified season that we've just had, uh, people have still got that motivation, the passion, they want to keep playing football.
6: Yeah, and that's one of the things that we need to look at, especially this year where it was such a late start, short season. People want to keep playing. Yep. Um, on top of that, Football West are also running some tournaments as well. So we've got a, a beach football tournament starting probably in um, two weeks' time, and that will be at Scarborough Beach for eight weeks. Um, we're also doing a a side competition on all age groups, including men's and women's, which will, go, um, which will be played at Dorian Gardens. And then um, and there's also the, the World Cup that will take place as well, uh, October 17th as well. So um, that's on our website there at ticket.football.com.au. Um, so yeah there's so much football to be had, and, and Football West will continue having that 12 months a year.
1: Yep, is that World Cup out of the ashes of the ethnic World Cup that used to be held in Carlisle?
6: Basically, yeah, basically, we, it was something that we we thought that needed to continue on, and they didn't um, have it last year. Um, so we didn't really want to take the chance of it not happening again because it had been going on for so many years. Yes. Um, So we we then continued that on.
1: Okay, great. All right, and um, is it going to be a presentation evening of sorts or some kind of recognition at the end of this season?
6: Yeah, there'll be recognition. So players will be recognised for for their achievements. Um, There won't be an evening as such, but, um, yeah, there will be some type of recognition that we'll look at at doing.
1: Yeah. Okay. And uh, have we so thought
6: basically of... what's next space?
1: Yeah, yeah. okay. We'll we'll ask you again about that one for sure. <laughs> um what do we think is going to look like for p- programs and football?
6: Yeah, football will go back to how it was in 2019, um where we'll have the we'll go back to 22 uh, 22 uh, rounds, 12 12 side leagues. Um so they'll basically go um, back to how it was then, um, with promotion relegation as well. Um and, and in terms of um finals, uh, this year is the first year that we're actually doing state league one, state league two um top well a finals series after the, the home and away. Um so from that we'll we'll take that into account and see if it's been successful or not. We may even consider having that for twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of first this year, isn't there? And well,
6: you know. Yeah, good opportunities to trial things too.
1: Yep. Yeah, uh, just uh, a question too is that the digital coverage has been absolutely amazing, I think, not just with Football West mm. but right across a you know, range of associations this year in light of obvious. Um, is, yep. is there a way that we can capitalise from that in terms of you know, lifting the profile and brand but maybe increasing sponsorship and a revenue stream for the sport? Yeah, absolutely,
6: sport? and that's, that's what we're currently looking at now. Uh, that's currently with the executive team in terms of how do we go about Advertising on our live stream, advertising online as well. So, yeah, that's being looked at, and hopefully uh, within the next couple of months we'll have something back from that.
1: Excellent. Okay, that's what we like to hear. Um, you know, if those numbers keep increasing, obviously that's some kind of resource that we should be trying to take advantage of.
6: Yeah, absolutely.
1: We, we really do want bums on seats and through the gates, though, don't we, Alex?
6: We do, 100%. But, I mean, it's not just that. It's not just that, but it gives you an opportunity while you are at a game to watch, to basically watch other games mm. um, as they as they happen.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, and a congratulations to Flori Athena for securing their home for another ten years. They've done a lot of negotiating there, the committee, and um, that will lead to grant sponsorship, fundraising, and the redevelopment of uh, the Flori Athena facility.
6: Yeah. So, from my understanding, is the council will then take over the running of the ground itself. Um, and they'll have the coverage that they'll manage as well. So yeah, that that was well they've done well to get that for another ten years.
1: Yep, they have. And of course, uh, it is uh, finals. Well, actually, it's not finals. It's it's uh, this top six and uh, bottom six of the NPL. Alex, you go for it.
6: Yeah, yeah. Interesting day. So we've got staff at about fifty-three games today, just in <laughs> case because you just don't know who's going to win. So I'll start with the NPL. We've got. Um, We've got Florent versus Coburn. Either of those two could win the league, um, including ECU playing June, like, with ECU still being able to potentially win that league. MPL um, Women's um, Murdoch Uni Melville were um, presented with their trophy last night.
1: They were, um, and Champagne was involved. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? And Champagne was involved.
6: <laughs> champagne was involved, yeah, I believe so. so um, yeah, so that was done last night. Um, State League Division 1, again, three teams can win that league. Um, so you've got Kingsway playing Mandra, um, so either those two could win the league or uh, Western Knights, depending on results. Um, and then Division 2 has already been won uh, by Karamah uh, Rovers, Karama Shamrock Rovers, um, which will be presented today as well.
1: But I must say that so, yeah, in the State yeah, League Division State. 2, that um, Mum FC had a good run this year. I'm very <laughs> proud of that. They
6: did really, really well, so they've got, got, a, got an opportunity now with their finals final four now to the finals to see if they can take home a trophy as well.
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely. It's been a, a funny old year with teams that have traditionally been at the top of the tables, maybe not been at the top of the tables, and teams being at the bottom yeah. of the tables, being at the top of the tables. Yeah,
6: yeah, absolutely. It's good. It was a really good um, opportunity to test this top uh, upper table, lower table, um, and, and I think it's worked well, and we got as many games out of it as possible as well, and, and league winners out of it too.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, re- reset this year and have a big think about things. Yeah. But um, I did ask earlier how, how are clubs travelling? But what I really mean is how are clubs out there travelling? And I don't mean competition and program-wise. I mean, are, are they healthy? Are they getting support? Are they getting what they need? What are you seeing yeah, there? So
6: there? Football, yeah, football is the providing a lot of funding in terms of club development programs um, for them. Um, we've also had the Building Stronger Clubs uh, $1,500 grant available to them as well. Um, so there's all those type of funding and, and also one-on-one workshops with um, former DSR, um employees in terms of working with them, in terms of building their knowledge behind AGMs, uh, how to run a club, volunteer attention, all of that as well. So all of that's available to them. Um, it's just a matter of them reaching out to Football West and, and, and ha- talking with us and see how we can help them.
1: Yes, uh, and I must admit, uh, at Mum FC, uh, led by our fantastic new president in Michael Inello, uh, we yeah. have done pretty well this year. Um, we have uh, accessed a whole range of resources, uh, grants from local community, state government, et cetera, et cetera, um, which has helped. And whether that's been available in previous years or not, I don't know. But our committee has really come together in accessing those resources to help us get through this period.
6: Yeah, and he's done really well, and a lot of clubs are following a similar suit as well.
1: You faded out on us there. Are you still there, Alex? Yeah, can you can hear me. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it it has been a, a different year, and lots of resources have been made available by many different organisations and associations in recognition that there are community programs, clubs, people out there that need help. So, um, you know, well done. There's a lot of resources being thrown into the community. It's been noted. Um yeah. are, are there clubs out there that have struggled or won't be around next year, Alex? Not that I understand. That, well, that is good to hear. Mm. Very good to yeah. hear. Thank you very much for your time today. I know you're a busy no, lad, no. so um, get out there and be busy again. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you very much. Get on, you Alex. See ya. All right. Bye. See ya. Bye bye. Alex Navatsis from Football West doing what he does best, getting out there amongst it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to go to a break and come back and talk more football. If you do want to know what's happening out in the Football West land of competitions over the weekend and right up through October. And, um, yeah, keep tuned about what might be happening for a a recognition of programs Mm, and leagues.
2: They normally do the awards evening, don't they? They do.
1: Yep, they do a variety of things. There's been, like, community events Mm -hmm. um, for social leagues and then they have the big um, flamboyant one. Yeah. But that won't be happening. But keep your eye on footballwest.com.au au. Their website and their Facebook page. Their Facebook page streams a lot more information. And speaking of streaming, it does uh, link all the games that are streamed over the weekend. So, footballwest.com.au website and Facebook page for more information about what's happening through our state association. This is Penn and Miranda. We'll be back soon talking more football. Thank you for listening.
0: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.
8: Oh give me land lots of land under starry skies above Don't fence me in
2: Oswest fencing and royal are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A U S W E S T fencing.com.au.
9: Hi, and welcome to the World Football Program. The team are on the air for 2019 from February through to the end of November at their usual Saturday time of 10 till 12. Become a member of our Facebook group, join in the football chat, share your news and win prizes throughout the year. Thanks for tuning in to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle.
0: scorching June sun in the French coastal town of Marseille, two Algerian immigrants awaited the birth of their fifth
6: child. Later that day, a star was born. We are proud to be the longest running football show on radio in Australia. Call it soccer, call it football. Myself, Peter Skeeler, Penny Tanner, Sean Kelly, Don Evans and Derek Pollock are the voices in your world football team, sharing the news across WA, Australia and the world for the one and only World Game, the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Programme. Myself, Penny Tanner Hoth, Miranda Templeman and Adam Nankin joins us in the studio. Good morning, Adam.
3: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: No problems at all. We'll talk more to Adam about his area of specialty after we've had a chat to Tracy, who's on the line at the moment. Tracy Wheeler, good morning. Hi, Penny. Hi, Miranda. Hi, Adam. (laughs) Good on you, Trace. Um, Thanks for joining (laughs) us and congratulations on the Mum FC win last night. The link, of course, is that uh, yourself with your amazing skills, former Matilda, goalkeeper coach for Mum FC squad, well done.
7: Uh, thank you. Unfortunately we only got a draw last night. A win would have been great but a, a comeback draw ending with only 10 players on the pitch was mm-hmm. felt like a bit of a
1: win in the end. Absolutely, but it was a win. It was a win for the league um, and then yeah. moving on into finals, a fantastic position to be in as an in inaugural year of WNPL for Mum FC. Good job. Yeah, yeah
7: it's been a very rewarding season so far. I'm very proud of all the girls and We've, we've done it with quite a small squad too, which has mm-hmm. um, been hard, but um, yeah, fortunately not too many injuries.
1: Yes, uh, tell us about that because that's been absolute key with maintaining a very stable first 11 across this season on an artificial surface, which could be, Uh, a recipe for disaster if not managed well and there aren't many clubs in Perth that have an artificial surface to play or train on so tell us how the clubs manage that
7: yeah I think it it has been a bit surprising really like you said with you know most of the girls never playing on artificial or training on artificial pitches before so it's it's been a little bit surprising that um haven't had more injuries would have expected a few but um I, I think um with the short season, it has been managed very well in that, um, you know, one of our sessions, one of our training sessions each week has been a bit more of a recovery session and the other session has then been a, a bit more of a, a tactical session looking at, you know, who we're playing the next week. So hasn't been really pushing the fitness side of things. So I'm sure some of the girls would prefer to have been a little bit fitter than what they are, but I think the training sessions have been more focused on making sure that are recovering fully each week and, you know, we can get the the fittest team possible out on the park without injuries.
1: Yeah, do you think that's a theme across more clubs than just Mum FC, that numbers have been a bit challenging this year and maybe getting the group together being a COVID year has been a challenge?
7: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, some of the clubs such as Fremantle and, and Redback have, they've got a, a huge player base to call on, I think, as well. So I don't think some of them have had a, a problem with their squad numbers. I think quite a few of the other teams have, and I think quite a few of the other teams have had um, a, a fair injury toll, sort of right from the word go, especially in the first few games. Mm-hmm. really depleted their numbers a little bit. Um, I think certainly some of the teams are training a lot more than what we have at Mum FC. I don't know whether that's been the right approach this year or not but um yeah i certainly think we've we've definitely been fortunate with the injuries as well because you can't prevent all injuries and injuries happen in matches with collisions and everything and i think we've just been fortunate to avoid a lot of that too
1: Yes, and uh just for those of you who don't know, Tracy is also a physio, so she knows, knows what she's talking about. <laughs> Probably uh give some input to, to things too there. Although I know the squad has um a sports trainer that looks after them and um you know, it is it is key the recovery part. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, we did have a, a short pre season, well, after COVID kicked back in and we knew there was gonna be a competition. I think it was like four, maybe six weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's not a the ideal situation then, although we had a couple of months of. Working remotely, so to speak, uh, I'm sure that people went about their their lives and football wasn't to the fore during that period because, you know, survival is we need to work, we need to put bread and butter on the table and that's not about the football. And then it was like, okay, now the season is back on in four to six weeks, let's go for it. And how do we get that squad together? How do we get them fit and match ready for an, an inaugural year of Women's National Premier League, which is the top competition. You expect the squads to be spot on and the coaches wanting the best out of everyone. A lot of pressure,
7: yeah, maybe. It, yeah, yeah, and it certainly was a short period to you know to get back into things once we were allowed to train as a squad again. And I think um, another thing that's pro- probably helped Mum FC is the fact that um, quite a, a large proportion of the girls had played previously together at Queens Park for a few years, mm-hmm. so the combinations were already there.
4: Yeah.
7: So if we could, if we could keep a fairly stable starting eleven. Then we were going to be able to play our best football every week. We yep. weren't going to have to have too many different players coming in and, and trying to settle in amongst that formation. Mm.
1: Yeah, and that's a fair comment. We did touch on earlier about the makeup of the women's National Premier League this year, and uh, you know, a fair amount of the players have come from Queens Park, who uh, don't have a women's uh, a, and a top end women's program anymore. Um, so we're very lucky that they landed at Mum FC. The players were able to land somewhere where they could play top football and together mm. and with their coach, Peter Rackett, who's done a fantastic job this year. Um has got heaps of support from Mum FC, landed a fantastic facility mm, um, on the turf there. It's enabled the, the players to play some great football and train on well, a carpet really.
2: Yeah, and it's it's one of the best Astro pitches I've ever played on like it doesn't tear up your skin a massive amount like other pitches do. And, you know, the speed of play on Astro is just amazing and the bounce is true. So if you make a mistake, then everyone's going to know about it. But yep. if you do a solid pass, it's going to stay solid.
1: Yep. But you still get the bits in the socks, though.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hate that bit. Um, what about uh, the the squad? Do, Trace, do you think that Mum FC have done enough to – keep this squad together for next year because that's, you know, we're moving into the, the time now of finals. We're moving into a time where the club's going to be start doing trials for the younger groups and those younger groups will want to aspire to be where the women are, either part of the 23 squad or in the first team will start to attract players. And that's what happens when you have a winning combination that you know, clubs, uh, players from other clubs start looking at what's happening there and that means that um, you know hopefully trials will expand and, and players will come. Do you think we'll keep the squad together next year?
7: Um, there's a couple of older players that might not be there next year. I think they were, there were a couple of older players that were sort of encouraged to play this year that might not have played otherwise. So I, I can't comment on whether they will, will be here next year or not. Um there's definitely some, some good younger players in the under twenty three that can step up as well and um, and Mum FC's got a very um, good under sixteen team which are possibly gonna win their league this year. Yep. So hopefully a couple of those girls will be looking at moving up into the under twenty three soon as well. But yeah, like you said, um, you know, we've we've won the league and um, playing playing on a good surface. Hopefully that um, will attract a bit of interest from some players from other clubs as well, and, and possibly some you know, some under twenty three players from other clubs that um, you know feel like they're ready to to step up and um, benefit from the experience of um, some of the girls in our squad.
1: Mm-hmm. A- and that is valuable too. That um, just rattling off some of the names in the, in the squad as Ellie Lamont. Jamie Gibbons, Sadie Lawrence, um, or Young Poppy, who's made a bit of a name for herself in uh, playing for twenty threes and up, and then Queens Park and um, you know winning a uh, Young Player of the Year, I think it was last year. Um, yeah, there's some great names. Katie Schubert in in the squad that, and Kat Yukich who's on sixteen goals, is probably going to take out the Golden Boot, golden boot this yeah. year. I think she wouldn't be touched there. Um, you know young players want to play with mm. with experienced players like that and players of note. So bring it on. Yeah.
2: Um, Tracy, I was just saying, you know, the um, under-23s team for Melbourne um, hasn't done brilliantly this season, but you do have, you know, the standout under-23 players who have been playing up in the first team. Do you think you're saying that the under-16 team has done very well this year? Do you think that's an area for improvement, just building the depth in that squad so... That you do have a um team that's doing well both in the first team and in the reserves league as well.
7: Yeah, I mean absolutely. We we lost a, a couple of players, um right at the beginning of the season, like Lorena uh, Tobane that didn't play a match at all, mm-hmm. and Joe who played two matches. So we we lost a couple of players that we, you know, expected to be in our starting eleven. So then we've had to have the, the likes of Rachel and Rosie, um stepping up and even, even Poppy stepping up that we expected to be in the under twenty three squad yep. and, and that's all left the under twenty three squad quite thin and mm. they've, you know, barely had players on the bench for most of their matches. Yeah. So yeah, um, and you know, and there's a you know, a couple of, of players that have sort of been um, encouraged to, to come and play just to make up the numbers this year as well. And we've and we've had a couple from the under sixteen team that have that have helped out as well. But, yeah, the squad really needed another five players right from the get-go, I think. Mm -hmm.
4: So,
7: you know, a a few more quality players, whether they come up from the under-16s or whether they come from other clubs, um, that will make a lot of difference to our under-23s for next year.
1: Yeah, I I think we were always going to be looking that um, with Murdoch last year didn't have a team in the top competition. Mm-hmm. So bringing in Queen's Park, um, was heaven sent. Yeah. Um, it attracted uh, a few quality players. We've got the 23s. Um, and like you say, it's been skeleton staff, so to speak, mm-hmm. but um, with the success of this year and, you know, it, there has been its ups and downs, but the squads have been managed very well on, yeah. on the outside of that. And um, with the Small number of injuries and the stability in the numbers that that says it all. It's it's well done to the club and the staff for managing it like that. So moving into trials period and to a new season next year, I hope that. Players considering coming to the club will see that part of it, that it has been managed well, mm. the resources available and the facilities are good, and it's a good place to go to. This is Mum FC bias kicking in here. <laughs> yeah, <I> do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're
7: selling the club now. Yeah, <laughs> Come and
1: play. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it, it is what it's about, isn't it? I mean, it is supposed to be the top league, mm. so um, we um, want to – put our best football on show, whichever club it is. Um, and, and look, Perth Soccer Club is another great example. They have terrific facilities. Gary Morocchi has got behind the... Um the, the women's NPL at the club there, they've done well. They're, they'll be second on the table. I think yeah. they'll be pretty solid. Yeah, guaranteed second at the moment. Yep. Um, they've got some fantastic players in their squad. Um, mm. Brogues has done a good job coaching them. Um, it'll be interesting to have a chat to her and see what their injury and squad management and rosters have, have panned out like yep. and, and a few of the other clubs as well. But, you know, I'm sure this year is unusual. Yeah. Um, It's Mm. kind of gone into a different time frame. And next year, uh, Alex Novatsis from Football West was saying, back to normal next year. We all kind of hope there will be a normal next year. Mm -hmm. We've gotten used to a different normal this year.
7: Yeah.
1: Bit bit of a reset. Did Alex say at
7: all with regards to the women's
2: NPL, whether
1: they're looking
2: at adding any extra teams next year? He did not. No. I think they're keeping the same eight from what (laughs) I've heard. Okay.
7: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a good
2: idea. But yeah, I wasn't wasn't sure whether the, the likes of Armadale and Sterling were were keen to to get in as, as soon as they were allowed to. Yeah, well, I do think that um, when you've still got teams such as CB, who have well, Curtin have found their feet towards the end of the season, but when you've got a yeah, player, who, yeah. a, a team who's you know hasn't won a game all season, it's I think rather than adding new teams in, you'd you'd build up the teams that were struggling yeah. still. Um, yeah. so that you're having a good quality league and when all the teams are of a high quality, then it's about adding new teams. There in. was
1: the two-year moratorium, so there couldn't be any change anyway because uh, at the end oh of this, year, okay. yeah, so there was no okay. promotion, no relegation, so it was going to be the same two teams mm-hmm. um, You're building yep. and, and working on that for next year. So just for our listeners out there, the table looks like this going into the last round, which is games today and tomorrow, left mm-hmm. at this last round, Murdoch uh, – Actually, they'll be thirty-four points now, won't they? So I better change my table. There you go. Uh, Perth Soccer Club, Fremantle, NTC, Northern Redbacks, Balcata, Curtain, and Subiaco. And this week's fixtures uh, last night was uh, Fremantle and Mum, which is one-all draw. So the rest of the fixtures for the weekend: Curtain versus Northern Redbacks today, NTC versus Perth Soccer Club tomorrow, and Balcata versus Subiaco. On Sunday as well And then the semifinals will start in the coming week So stay tuned to au For the days and times of all the semifinals Yeah,
2: so the top four is pretty much set there, Except there's NTC and Redbacks fighting it out for the fourth spot So it all comes down to this last round With both the teams sitting on 19 points NTC do have a three goal advantage in the goal difference so um, it's But uh, NTC have a tough draw against Perth um, tomorrow, oh, yeah. and um, we'll be. <laughs> I know I'll be going for a curtain win. Let's keep the streak alive. <laughs> um, to put Redbacks away, hopefully. But yeah, it's a very tight season. And I think um, it did come down to the last couple rounds. Yep, yep. Um, it's you know
1: if you look at the bottom half of the table, uh, up, upwards from the bottom, Subiaco, Curtain, Balcata and then Northern Redbacks, NTC, uh, um, kind of in, in the guts there. One, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five teams. Um, Curtin and Subia have got a bit of work to do, but yeah. because they've got that moratorium, they'll be in the league again next mm-hmm. year. Their position's not going to be challenged. Uh, they've got some building work to do.
2: Yeah, I um, think Curtin have um, you know, found their stride towards the end of the season and I yep. talking to some of their players, they've struggled with a few injuries this year, a couple ACLs um, at the beginning of the season, so you never want to hear that. But um, they've recovered well and after a tough start to the season, they've... Um, actually brought it back. So they can still finish six, technically. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. Yep. Trace They've
1: done well. Trace, um, just uh, moving on to other things, women's football, the Matildas coach was appointed this week in Tony Gustafsson, a uh, Swedish yep. lad. Uh, he's got another few months to complete his contracts elsewhere. Mm-hmm. He was uh, greeted into the job in London. Um, So we'll see him sometime after Christmas here in Australia. There's been a lot of movement of players from Australia outwards. We know that um, a lot of the Matildas have gone to play in European leagues. Uh, We don't know what's happening about the W League, but we kind of hope that now with the appointment of the Matildas that the FFA will say, okay, this is the W League, how it's going to go. And they'll have some kind of system What's your thoughts on the appointment of the coach and the W League?
7: Um, I think it's an excellent appointment with the coach. I think um, his experience in um, Europe and European style of playing will help the Matildas. I think that's something that they've struggled with in recent years. They, they managed to sort of match up with a, a lot of teams but struggled a little bit against um, European opposition. Yep. And... Um, Yes, and basically his experience with the U.S. national team with um, two successful World Cup campaigns. It's um, got to be useful for um, um, getting teams through big tournaments. Mm. So managing managing teams and knowing what sort of a squad you need for a big tournament and things like that. Because that's the other thing. The Matildas have performed well in mini tournaments and friendly matches and everything and have have, have performed well at big tournaments but not as well as we're starting to expect them to perform. So hopefully his knowledge in those areas will be really helpful.
2: Mm, I do think he was um, one of the key points he addressed was learning how to win when you're not playing well and I think that's a massive part of creating championship teams is how do you um, scramble a point from a game when you're not playing your best and, you, you know, scrambling a win, scrambling a draw when... You playing know, under pressure. Playing under pressure. And I think that's a massive part and we do need okay. to learn. And I think one of the other points he addressed was pace of play and being able to um, play around teams. And, yeah, I think European football, having not only him as a European experience coach, but having the Matildas playing in Europe will um, get them used to that faster pace of play and hopefully they can bring that back into the Matildas camp and set that bar high for the other players? Actually, that,
1: that's yeah. that's also an area of concern. It could be a double-edged sword there. And Trace, mm. you said it that when the Queen's Park squad came to Mum FC that already had the relationship of being able to play together. They, they knew how to play together well. So if all of our Matildas are going to other leagues and playing in different clubs and then they're having to be brought. But this is a very Socceroos thing, isn't it, Adam? Mm-hmm. nodding your head there. Um, so now our, our best players are elsewhere in the world, not here in Australia. We have to bring them somewhere. We have to put them somewhere and then go into some kind of camp or program and then we have to develop that relationship when they haven't been developing those relationships in their own country, playing with their teammates in a W league or their local clubs because they've been elsewhere playing in higher leagues. And, yes, their individual skills will get better, mm. but how do you get the Matildas as a team playing together when you can only bring them back on a calendar, on, on a time schedule? How do you do that, Trace? Well,
7: with their leagues over in Europe, they've got, like we've just had; they have um, an international match break. Yep. So... Whenever, you know, all their teammates are off playing for their their, um, international teams, their national teams, um, I imagine that he's going to have them having a training camp Mm. in the UK or something like that. So they're all going to end up, you know, because there's 20-something of them over there in Europe at the moment. Yeah. So they're all going to end up having a training camp there. And then it just depends. um, The whole COVID thing is still throwing things up in the air. But for their preparation for the Olympics next year... I suppose there's going to have to be a period of time leading up to that where they're all going to be, whether it be in Australia or Europe or whatever, and that other Australian players will have to go over and join them there. Yep. I imagine it. That, how it'll be.
1: And will there but be I, a I,
7: quarantine I, I, I period? Look, well, who knows how that's going to work out at yep. the moment. It's a long way off. But at the moment, I think there was talk of them having a training camp um, in UK in um, November or something, of yes. all the players that are there. so. So that you know, that's that's pretty convenient. The fact that most of them are over in the one area of the world anyway at the moment. Yep.
4: Yeah.
7: Well, and if but I do... al- but also I I think probably what he's <coughs> also learned from the, the US squad with their um, the World Cups and everything, you need a, a huge squad. It's no use having yeah. sixteen players that you want to play most of your matches in the World Cup. <laughs> you need a squad of thirty so that when a couple of them. Miss out on the World Cup because of injuries in the lead up to it. You've still got this huge squad of at least twenty two in your final squad that you are happy that you can put all of them on the pitch.
2: Yeah, and I do think and that and that's, um, what,
7: that's what the US team have done so successfully? And that's why they end up winning World Cups because they play their whole squad throughout the whole tournament.
2: Yeah, and we've got you know, I think that's why it's important that um, we do stuff like win these youth bids and stuff like that to really develop because mm. we have you know the um, under 20s last year were getting thrashed by six, seven goals at the Asian Cup, not even at the World Cup, but the Asian Cup. And Mm, um, if you you can't, you've you've really got to be looking for the youth teams to build them up. So I think that's been identified now and um, they're really looking at building the youth program so that we do do have a golden generation, as they say now, Um, but being able to back that up for a long-term success is all about developing that youth. I think at this
1: moment the W League and the A League have exactly the same challenge they've got to work mm-hmm. through is that they're both going into a new season and how are they going to operate that but with really different parameters. Like with the A League, we're talking about fully professional players. Mm-hmm. They don't have jobs mm-hmm. and study and family yeah. to move in and out of whereas the W League players absolutely do and they'll probably be more inexperienced and maybe younger, mm-hmm. so that, that younger age level because their experienced older players are playing professionally elsewhere so they've got very different challenges but they've got the same objective in that they need to play a professional league over summer or at some point because they we all need to see them playing and we need to build the brand and the profile but they need to be playing good football and how is that going to happen trace um, I don't know I think
7: they're probably still waiting to find out what's happening with you know movement within the country before mm-hmm. they can Start to have a plan for that. I mean, something that they they might think about doing is having a bit like what ended up with the end of the A League season, in that you have a, a tournament that goes over maybe six weeks or so in one location, playing twice a week and get through a whole season in, in six weeks or something.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, we. That's a thought. It's, yeah, well, I know some of the thoughts around the uh, B League. Uh, as in the second tier of the A-League have been, do we have a conference? Do we have a hub? And if we look at the A-League and the hub system that we've just had, how it had to be fulfilled as part of Fox commitments, um, but we had Perth Glory going over east and the players distancing themselves from their family for all of that time, yet there were some Sydney teams that were right where their families were. So it it creates an unequal kind of support structure. And, you know, there's a lot of things to think of and – Oh, we don't know the answers, mm-hmm. but if someone yeah. knows the answers, but, but, can but they ring a FFA and thing. let them know quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
7: but it's a one-off thing. It's only, its only I expect it's only going to be one year that's going to be really effective like this. So, you know, you might need to make some changes and, and compromise a little bit for, for one year to, to get some decent um, football into these girls so that they're not missing out on their uh, yes. the development.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: football, um, FFA have said that they um, would prefer not to have a hub model. For the season for the W League, uh, um, you know, basically because W League players, majority of them will be, you know, young and in school or having another job part time, which makes it difficult for them to leave their home. So, um, yeah, as you said, Tracy, it does just come down to what the governments are going to allow with, within um, travel within the country.
1: Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. A conference system seems to be a more viable option if you can have a short calendar of. The teams in this area will play on, on these dates, yeah, and then others will play, and then they come together. But the, the quarantine thing is a real challenge. If the quarantine mm. period is still yeah. in effect, then how do you overcome that without having a an extended hub? Mm. I don't know. Don't know the answer. No. So l- let's just talk about a few other things. Women's football. There is women's football happening outside of Australia. The English um, Super League is happening mm-hmm. and the American Super League, uh, soccer league, as they call it, soccer mm-hmm. league is, is happening, although it's flown under the radar a bit. Um, I was going to say, has, has that started again? Because I, I yes.
7: thought, I would have thought that those um, American girls that are playing in the English league, I'll. I'll that they would be going back to the American sounds like
1: that's not the case then. That, that is indeed correct mm-hmm. and when I um, did a little bit of research this week about that I there's a lot of names I, I didn't know mm-hmm. so uh, like our W League impending W League I suspect there's going to be a lot of young players and faces that we don't know coming to, up into the four to play football so the same thing is happening in America their professional players or their top end players have, have gone into European leagues and the English Super League seems to be the place to go yeah so what do you yeah, think, think about that, Miranda?
2: Yeah, I think um, the money that they're putting into it, you can definitely see it paying off. And um, they're developing into a league like the men's EPL where they are attracting big stars from all over. It's not like your your English leagues, is um, not just English anymore and your Australian league, our Australian league is still English because we're not, um, our Australian league is still Australian because we're not attracting international stars. And, yes. Um, the more that they build the profile, the more people that will come. Like you've said, um, they've recently uh, started attracting a mass of um, American players like Alex Morgan, uh, Tobin Heath, I think, has gone over there, Um, Christian Press. So all big names in America have started leaving their local league to play in this league, which just shows, as you said, it is the place to be at the moment.
1: Why are they leaving America, which has a pretty strong league, Mm -hmm. and going there when there's traditionally been a lot of money put into the women's soccer program in America?
2: Yeah, well, um, I guess the players would know that better than us, but I do think um, at the moment the WSL has a bigger profile than the NWSL. So And maybe offering more money? Yeah, um, I think they're probably putting in more money and they're seeing that um, not just, like, we've had a lot of Australian players go over there, but it's not just Australian players, it's American players, it's um, other European countries, the Netherlands, um All of them are going to this league because it is offering the best package as an all rounder. That could be financially, that can be high quality training environment, high quality coaching, and high quality games in all of them. Like you don't have any um, really, you still have teams that will struggle in the league, but most of the fixtures you will be playing against other World Cup. World Cup players Yes And other stars Which yep. is You know The higher level of opposition You're yep. playing The more you're developing As a player
1: Yeah And you get to that point In your career Don't you Where you've absorbed As much as you can And think mm-hmm. you've learned As much as you can In one environment and it's ready to move on Sam Kerr said that When she was playing In America And she'd been playing For a number of years there She said that I'm ready for the next challenge Yeah And it was going to be there And it does appear to be Like the World Super League yeah. Is happening in England Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, Trace. I think that's just about everything we need to cover in women's football. Did you want to add anything else? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> not that I can't think of off the top of my head. We've covered it all. Yeah, good job this year with uh, Mum FC. Do you think you'll be at the club again next year? Um, quite likely if they want me
7: back. I will... <laughs> it's not something we've discussed yet, but I've, I've been very really happy there. I've um, yeah had a good relationship with the. The girls and the coaching staff and and everything, and I've been you know, very happy with the, the girls
1: that I've been coaching there. So yeah, excellent. And um, thanks very much from me and Miranda as yeah, well definitely. for uh, coming down to the junior girls and helping out with your goalkeeping talents down there. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Okay. Yep, no. Mm. Have a fantastic weekend. Uh, enjoy your, your you football too. or the weather otherwise. <laughs> Yeah. You too. Thanks, Trace. <laughs> see you, Trace. Bye. Okay. Bye. See you later. Bye. That was Tracy Wheeler, former Matilda's goalkeeper and goalkeeper coach now at Mum FC. Hopefully, she'll be back again next year. It's uh, it's good to see someone of her experience and the wealth of knowledge that she's got in the game, um, mentoring the young ones and um, keeping involved. It's good. Mm-hmm.
3: I think uh, one of the things um, while the discussion was going on that was really interesting is that um, there is quite, I guess, a golden generation in women's football happening at the moment. You've got strong players all over the world. um, And you mentioned that can... Be a bit of a double-edged sword because they're not seeing each other very often when when the national team comes together. But in saying that, because you're having players that are going to clubs that are tasting success often and are mm-hmm. actually playing at such a high level, that that mentality is so important. New coach, yeah, um, that ability to bring people together that know what it's like to win and know what it's like to be under spotlight. I think yeah. is a is a really positive thing to happen uh, f- yep. for female football all round. But yep. um, Um, And, and you
1: know, what? that's motivating and it's also, what's the word, when others catch that, that it's exciting and… Infectious. Yeah, yeah, it's infectious. Absolutely. So they come back into the the training ground, let's say, it's for the Matildas and all the other players come from their different environments and they all have their skills and their excitement uh, to add to that Mm. and they're all ready to go. So you're right, that could be a plus plus. Especially
3: Mm. with the um, kind of credentials Tony has and and, and the background there, um, bringing, you know, positive winning mentality to the group i think uh, uh, the matildas are they've got a lot of expectation i know my mm-hmm. girls um just getting into soccer now <laughs> um at any opportunity we want to watch them and 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 the expectation is to win um and i think that's a good thing
1: how old are your girls
3: they're young they're only uh, 5 and 6 now but um yeah they uh um, I'm going to be living vicariously through them you know, about, um, <laughs> when they do start joining clubs. Um, but, yeah, so it, it's really even a situation like this, having Miranda, yourself, mm-hmm. uh, Tracy on the phone, um, women's football, I think is in a great place. And um, it's really exciting to see. I've been here for 12 years and see the evolution of it mm-hmm. um, is, yeah, it's something that, that I think um, Australia and, and everyone involved in the game should be really proud of.
1: Yeah, you're right, 12 years is a pretty Mm. significant period in women's football. The growth has been a pretty good upward trajectory. Mm. Uh, A bit of a a blip this year with, I don't know, just a kind of a a status quo of things maybe. Mm. But um, I think it's been – a. I keep saying it's been a reset, and I don't just mean women's football, but a lot of things. Mm. We've had to stop. We've had to think. We've had to consider how we're going to move forward, and everybody's had to do it for exactly the same reasons, And, um, you know, some countries and some football is, uh, you know, better resourced than others. So like EPL or Women's uh, Soccer League or Super League in Mm -hmm. England have more money. So Mm -hmm. the the benchmark or or the ground zero for them is from a higher place to build from again than Australia's Mm -hmm. place to build from again. So, you know, there'll be challenges in various places, but – you know, it, it kind of means that it's a little bit uneven that you'll find that well, India is attracting players at the mm. moment so, and it's possibly just a financial thing they've got the money. So there isn't the money here. There's a lot of consideration still being made here. So players are thinking, I'm going to go there. Mm. They're going to go to England. They're going to go elsewhere. So we've got to lift our game, Australia. Come <laughs>
3: on. I think the one one great thing Australia has in its favour is, sports personnel sports people are highly revered there there's there's a pedestal sport is highly regarded in australia and i think um within all of that um there is that that natural competitive nature but equally um you know sitting in with royalty here today, in, in <laughs> that, and you've got you've got people that have played the game at an extremely high level. Um, there there comes kudos that comes with that, and I think um, Australia is well placed to be able to to push the sport uh, mentality, push the sport, any sport really, um, higher and higher as as the years progress because of how we think about sport and how we think about athletes.
1: Mm. Yep, yep. I, I think every time there's a new Australian coach, and I I'm going to stop saying that one day when the Matilda's coaches there for like five or six or seven or eight years, um, but I remember when Tom Somani, who's coached all over the place um, and done a very good job, been very successful, he's now coaching the football ferns, New Zealand women's team, and he said once in, in an interview um, that Australia have this mongrel kind of style, <laughs> and I, I wasn't sure whether I should accept that as a very nice thing, and I had to have a think about it. But then, you know, on the flip side of that, I thought, okay, if I think of Spanish football I think of their style it's a lovely flowing football style mm. pass 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 I think of a, a American style I think of the English styles the the run and maybe more long balls very fast football and what is the Australian style and we're talking about the Socceroos and the Matildas they they never give up and that never say mm-hmm. die kind of slogan that mm. is associated with Australian football is it's not just about the Matildas it's about the Socceroos as well yeah. and that's it we have I don't like Tommy's saying that, I must admit that the mongrel style, <laughs> he, he couldn't work out what the style of Australian football I, was. I do
2: remember having like a um, an NTC challenge a few years ago, having the coach sit down and telling us, oh, we need to be have more mongrel because we, we were being too nice <laughs> on the pitch. And um, no, But I do think what you're saying about the, the never say die attitude, um, it it's so important to any players and it is drilled into you. It's written in the back of our national team jerseys, under the collar is never say die and... Um what Tony was saying in his interview, I think, um, about not um, being one day better, not just one day older, was um, a massive thing. And I think it's that mentality that um, gets us to where we are. But now um, he's saying he wants to keep that mentality and nurture that mentality and add on the game management and the pace yes. of play and being able to win when you're not playing well and all of that and build a powerhouse in national women's football. When I think, that's just so exciting to hear. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes, a- and that's what I took out of the conversation with Tracy. Actually, when I'm thinking about okay, why has Mum FC done very well this year? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they've had some good factors. Uh, the bulk of the Queens Park squad has come over, and they're a very good squad. Yeah, you know, top level women's football. So they came, and they already had this relationship. Then they've come to Mum FC with a beautiful facility and they've been given good resources, support Mm -hmm. structure. So Mm -hmm. all of the factors that you could want to have a successful team are there to start, Mm -hmm. not – to be built along the way but to start. So do other teams in the Women's National Premier League have exactly all of those same things? Mm. Um, Perth Soccer Club, yes, they probably do, and they're in the top two. Um, and then you look at the other teams, um, you've got Curtin, you look at Subiaco, do they have all of those same things, mm. to varying degrees but not the same? Mm. So the, the management uh, of all of those things, management of resources and provision of whatever they need is is there, and that's got to be – a factor in the success. Yeah, Yeah, 100%.
3: That that and I think there's almost a... (laughs) Uh, opportunity when you have a bulk of new players where you can also start building a mm. culture that's yeah. um, not that there wasn't a, co- a good culture there before. I'm sure there was, but you've got this ability to almost reset a little bit and say, this is how we want to yes. do things and, yeah. and, and how you welcome new players, how you welcome absorbing almost another team mm. um, into that. I think um, there, there's there's good opportunity in that to kind of develop the culture that you want to develop um, as a coach, as a playing group, as a, as a supporting staff. Um, so yeah, c- huge congratulations to them.
1: I think that uh, Balkata have a, a, a big success story behind themselves as well, and so do Northern Redbacks in the in the way that they're managed. Balkata have fantastic facilities right across the club um, in terms of their stadium, there um, that they recognise players. They've got their club rooms, they have food provided for players. Um, the ground can be a little bit waterlogged for hmm. both men and women, so it's yeah. you know not a hundred percent through. Some of our duck times, but um, <laughs> you know, th- there's th- there's a lot of good factors there, and to do very well as a club. Um, men's NPL, women's NPL, so they've got top tier football there. Frame out of the same, they've got uh, men and women in top tier, and they've got great facilities and resources, committee et cetera around them. So if you look at the clubs that provide. All of those things, or more ingredients, mm. then you can see that they are the the clubs with teams in higher leagues.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it is that whole package the, on the field and the off the field. And I think one of the reasons that Mum has done so well this year is because they do have both. They have the off the field. The culture is there, and the culture is good with the coaching, the background players, um, background staff, and the players. Um, but then on the pitch, also they do have that ability where they might not be playing the best game, but they can scrounge at a point yeah. or they can scrounge at a win. Like, um, for example, the game last night, down one nil, um, can pu- <laughs> Kat can pull a goal out of anywhere, and um, <laughs> they can get a point from it. And you know, even the week before, I think there was we they'd beaten us three uh, one, but we'd. Um, there's you can tell the difference because we had had um more possession probably outplayed them for a number of minutes but they've gone and scored three goals in eight minutes and it's that ability to absorb the pressure and then just go on the counter-attack and hit and capitalize on all their chances and that's a massive thing for this year i know we've struggled with it as a team is um a lot of the games we have been the better team but we don't capitalize on chances we'll have um you know spend a 25-minute period where Melbourne didn't get out of their half, but we didn't capitalise on it. And I think that sums up the story of our season and um, that's something that we'll look to improve as young players. Yes.
1: Yeah, valuable points. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football with Adam Nankin. This is Penn and Miranda, and we're all on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. Back soon.
0: The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. (sighs)
5: Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make, and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. For football's sake.
1: For the sake of our registered players, there's 37,000 of them.
5: For the sake of the game. For the sake of the dozens of high achievers who are
9: already flying the WA flag in the world's best football leagues.
1: For the sake of our visitors from Asia and beyond whose cultures are woven through football.
3: For the sake of Perth glory, the state's A-League team which aims to inspire the next generation.
1: For the sake of the mums and the dads, the fans, the followers and the football faithful who are steeped in the most popular sport on the planet.
3: Football needs a home. Football deserves a home.
6: Every family needs a home for football's sake.
2: West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week.
0: From social men's, women's or mixed games to
2: A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. has helped me develop as a player mentally and physically because it's taken me to the next level.
5: We're looking for new referees, so if you've got what it takes, come on, give it a go. Walking
6: football is designed for people who still want to be able to kick the ball around. Oh, it's
0: fantastic. The social side of it is really good.
7: My highlight was getting to meet new people, seeing the community come together, so it's nice to be around new people.
9: The Insurance Commission has had a partnership with Football West now for two years, so the message is very simple, where you see something. Goal! The second
2: the game!
9: Street Football has been a fantastic event to try and reduce anti-social behaviour.
5: Engaging youth in sport get them off the streets, get them doing something really healthy and something really positive. And it's a real testament to uh, Belmont Forum and Football West to be able to be
2: here tonight and support this fantastic initiative.
1: That was a bit of a wrap of some of the programs that have been undertaken in 2020 by Football West and not just Football West that have thought outside the box this year. It's been a matter of survival for different groups and associations and different parts of football and we've just been talking off air about that. And Alex Novatsis did say that um, he doesn't know of any clubs that have struggled this year, but I'm sure there must have been some clubs with numbers that are low, unlike the big clubs that have huge resources that can just kind of bunker down for the winter type of thing. There'll be some clubs that will like, you know what, we've got five teams or 10 teams or whatever it is and we've got a group of volunteers and those volunteers, they have to, they have families that have got to work and if it's a matter of playing football or going to work, then they've just got to focus elsewhere. I'm sure there must be some challenges out there and some clubs that have struggled this year.
3: There there was a bit of a uh, statistic around 25% of clubs, not just football, um, admittedly, but um, in sporting, winter sport in particular, um, 25% drop. In not just membership, but um, also taking into consideration volunteering, mm-hmm. um, people that would just do those ad hoc tasks, um, you know, mums and dads that are yep. that are at games, and um, that's across the board, and and uh, which I think is is quite a startling statistic. Yep, that's a quarter. That's a quarter. Um, mm. But the equally, um, you know, that's also offset by some clubs finding opportunity within what's been happening, and and, and we talked about culture a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Those clubs with good culture had great retention, but what they had also done is is uh, from team that might have played them previously or, or had chats to committee members or whatever the case may be, um, they've actually attracted more members during this time because they know if we go to this club, we know that their culture is good, they, they might be inclusive, they might be thinking, you know, how can we uh, provide a better experience for members, whatever the case may be. So um, some clubs have really, really capitalised on, 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 I guess, a situation that's mm. not so great.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say um, that there's been more... F- families transitioning in and out of the football uh, period post-COVID than I've ever seen before and numbers have uh, fluctuated more than I've ever seen before and uh, sickness has uh, had an impact because we're advised not to be a part of the community when you're not feeling well. Mm -hmm. So instead of toughen it out, like you say, Miranda, we've got to go home and tough it out. (laughs) And That means that the the team is affected. It just has been. So it it has been challenging. But if you've got a successful story, then land it on the World Football Facebook page and share it. Or if you've got a challenging story, put it on the World Football Program Facebook page and share it. Because if we share things, then we can help manage, help other clubs manage a little differently and maybe get it right next time. Mm -hmm. And we we definitely want to share the news and help each other through this, that's for sure. So Adam, inclusive football, Tell us what that means to Adam Nankin and um, the community.
3: Sure. Um, I'll I'll give just a 30-second background. Um, um, So I've been, um, I guess, in many, many, many moons ago, um, I was coaching a lot and and, and even played a fair bit, um, kind of took a five-year hiatus um, once I had little ones Mm -hmm. um, and kind of priority shifted a bit. And and I now work with an organisation called Inclusion Solutions. Mm -hmm. And essentially what we do is we work with any community organization that might be local governments that might be grassroots clubs that might be state sporting associations and we really look at how those organizations can be embracing and welcoming of all people across the board so it's um, really mainly working with minority groups and 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 marginalized demographics and saying hey there's such an opportunity here as as a soccer club for this instance how can you open your doors to more people which isn't just the, the it's not just the right thing to do but it good, makes good economic sense it makes mm. your club more sustainable mm. and equally it, it it's a true representation Holistic. of the of the community yep. around mm-hmm. you so um I'm an inclusion consultant um I don't claim that football is my my area of expertise by any means That's that's the club's role but the one thing that I I and and the team around myself inclusion solutions is um we really work with the clubs to say hey These are some clear strategies. These are some ways that you can be more inclusive, working with Football West, in this case with the United Reds Football League, and saying um, at the moment there's very limited opportunities for children with disabilities Mm -hmm. in particular to to play the world game. Um, There's a few programs out there and there's a few um, segregated opportunities, but there's no really integrated modeling, inclusive modeling within football clubs in Mm -hmm. WA structures. So um, what we do, we rewind to 2019 when um, Manchester United came over and and I will say Miranda and Penny and and listeners, this is killing me as a Liverpool supporter. (laughs) Um, But uh, when Manchester United came in in July uh, 2019 because of the work that inclusion solutions had previously done in in the footy and cricket realm um mm-hmm. in terms of of developing um assisting in developing integrated leagues um they thought to their credit manchester united thought how can we leave a legacy behind that is really going to positively impact wa and not just be an exhibition game and kind of then bolt straight afterwards so yeah um we um we sat down with telethon manchester united where we're involved in umpteen phone calls and we really thought how can this legacy from the visit generating interest but equally how can we put something in place similar modeling to what's being done in manchester to give more opportunities to kids with disabilities Mm -hmm. and not opportunities that are just participation based but are actually being club owned and where uh, a child in a family who has a child with a disability can go into a club and really feel like a valued member like any other member mm-hmm. How, uh, you know having the same opportunities and, and really being having that sense of belonging
1: So is it about finding a fit or creating it? A- and environment and
3: culture? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I think it's firstly having the opportunity, uh, um, knowing that there is an opportunity for you know a, a son or a daughter to be able to go to these clubs and say, you know what, they will be able to play on a weekly basis or a fortnightly basis or whatever the case may be. But then also working with the clubs and saying, are you ready for this? Are you able to have family with kids with disability? I can, I can see a club like Vic club?
1: Park being a good fit. Yeah, and, and I
3: think Vic Park um, are, are a fantastic club. All, all the clubs involved, and I'll touch on them at some point. But um, So the um, Telethon, who um, have been big partners in this as well, as well, of course, Manchester United Foundation and, and Football West, um, engaged uh, with Inclusion Solutions and the clubs involved to say, all right... What can this look like? There's nothing being done, equal footing ball, which is a, um, a program that does currently exist, doesn't really cater for that eight to 12 bracket mm-hmm. of, of age group. It's really for the older the older kids coming into adulthood. Um, and, and I think we, we can all agree that eight to 12 in particular is quite a crucial. Uh, age bracket for for developing skills developing mm-hmm. friends developing social connection um, and and um, so we focused on that age group and the united reds football league is a league for kids with disabilities yes but also kids that have either never joined a club before they might have never played before and are really looking for a, an entry level opportunity to be part of a football club now just reflecting on when I first came to Australia, those of you that might hear my accent, I'm not originally from here. Um, I know that the club I joined, I, I knew how to play soccer a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't too terrible. And um, that's the, the first soccer club I joined was was my second family. Um, I'd had no friends here. I, I didn't know many people at all. And that really, I know what that sense of belonging at a soccer club can feel, at a football club can feel like. And there is just um, – there's just not too many opportunities out there at the moment for, for kids with disabilities in particular to have that feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really where um, the United Reds Football League was born and um, we've just – in the last round of the inaugural season um, – COVID, yes, has been a major curveball in a lot of ways. Um, There was originally eight clubs that were um, recruited and and participating in the league. Um, During COVID, we um, had a discussion with all the clubs and we settled on on five just due to the the, the pressures that some clubs faced. Um, And just touching on something you said before, Penny, is um, some clubs were hit hard. There was uh, one club in particular that out of about seven teams, they lost three. So you, you're looking at mm. you know major impacts, volunteers, members, Income.
5: financials, yeah.
3: yeah. Um, but then you have a, a club like Vic Park who's actually grown mm. and and actually had a couple new teams, both juniors and seniors. So what what that really shows is again what are the cultures of clubs? What are what's the ethos and and really setting up an environment that if a player. Does leave for whatever situation they know that they can come back and 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 there's there's um, there's things in place to really say that that those clubs are going to be the most sustainable moving forward.
1: Yeah. So how does this look? <clears throat> Typical football for us looks mm-hmm. like a home and away season, um, a lot of travel, early mornings, mud. Um, lots of washing of shirts. How does that look for an inclusive program?
3: Yeah. Um, so exactly that. Okay, and I'm I'm really glad um, that that. Uh, uh, What we've really focused on is, and I mentioned earlier in the pieces, is to not have a segregated opportunity Mm -hmm. because that can be more damaging. And even with the best of intent can sometimes be more damaging um, to marginalized demographics and and in this case, uh, children with disabilities. But what it's really focusing on is that, yes, it's a league that is specific to a cohort, Mm -hmm. but equally you're wearing your club jumper. You're yeah. training on the same nights as everyone else. You're, you're under lights or, um, you, 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 you're, you're traveling to Beldivis one week and then you're going to Vic Park and, 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 and Western Nights or Dianella. And what that really does is you have that ability. I have some of my fondest memories of being in the, in the car or the bus or whatever the case may be with, with teammates and having a bit of banter and yeah. feeling a bit sorry for yourself after a loss <laughs> and feeling sillyly happy after a win. Um, and, and that's exactly what, the league is so it's a home and away season um, uh, The because it was a really condensed year there was I think 10 match rounds all up mm-hmm. home and away so um, the clubs paid each other multiple times. Um, but it, it, was re- it was done on a Sunday morning, like all the other rues. It was mm-hmm. done um, on those same fields, and um, it was really done in some great spirits. There was a lot of learnings, um, both for the, the families, the clubs, ourselves, Football West, Telethon. Um, and we have just kind of in that feedback stage so that mm-hmm. next year, when we are recruiting four new clubs... Um, that the, the learnings have been heard the, the, the um, and the learnings are put into place to make the league even more successful and most importantly, giving more kids the opportunity to play the game we all love. Mm.
1: I would be interested to know of the connection with the club. Uh, you heard me earlier say that Sir Miranda and Tracy both came down to my girls' teams mm. and did coaching there with the young kids and the young kids loved it. They were mentored and they had their role models and they could aspire to someone yep. they can see. You know. It, In those footsteps, what about at the clubs with the inclusive programs? Do the older players, the the senior players in the club, or the coaches, they come down and do they help and they say, "Would you like or join in, or how about if we help you coach this?" Do they those kind of interactions occur?
3: There definitely has been. Um, There's been a few clubs that are further along the inclusive journey than I'd say some others, Mm -hmm. um, and that's completely understandable. I think one of the things we don't want to do in a COVID year. It's put too much pressure on clubs. They're developing a new team. Yep. They're going through a whole journey themselves. Um, but yes, the the short answer is, uh, it would be great if. if- all the clubs are doing exactly that, but there's also that notion, um, you know, you, you you cannot be what you cannot see, mm-hmm. and and the reason I mention that is that um, there isn't a lot of opportunity for for kids with disabilities to turn on the TV and see um, athletes with disabilities mm-hmm. competing. Of course, there's there's Paralympics and there's, there's other competitions as such. So what we really want to focus on coming into to 2021 season is having ambassadors that are that have been at an elite level, whether it's state or, or International level,
1: Chris Barty. That's it. Chris Barty is
3: is definitely someone we've had a a lot of conversations. Brad Scott's another one, Um, and these are people that um, can talk from lived experience. Yeah, and and I think there's um, you mentioned the Bunbury Cup. I think right in the beginning of of the show, Um, in December, and I hope uh, uh, Brad doesn't mind me saying this, but um, in December uh, we're looking at the, the fifth or sixth from memory. Is um, we're looking at doing a Bunbury con- an inclusive Bunbury carnival, and and oh, that's wow. very similar to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, is it next weekend or the weekend after, um, mm-hmm. where the Bunbury Cup normally yeah. happens? Um, and th- and that's yes targeted at kids with disabilities, but equally just targeted at kids that have not played the game. Yeah, and and it's a it's a little bit tricky when you're you know coming into 10, 11, 12 and then all of a sudden there's you know you want to learn the fundamentals, and, and there's not a, a huge opportunity, especially for 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 women and girls mm-hmm. in particular. That can sometimes be a little daunting. And um, and so the inclusive the the Bunbury inclusive carnival that will be um, that will be run United Reds clubs have been invited and definitely will be going down. Um, shout out to clubs across Perth that if you are interested by all means please um, get in touch with with Penny get in touch with Inclusion Solutions get in touch with them some of the clubs um, because it's a great opportunity especially if there's kids with disabilities in the membership base or families that have kids with disabilities within the membership base that. Um, these kids should be playing, and they should be playing weekly, mm-hmm. and and should be have the same opportunities as everyone else.
1: I like what you're saying about creating an environment where they feel comfortable to want to be a part of, um, but that's also about um, the community and wanting to be a part of um, them as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's this total, and, and I, I call it at our club. I call it a buddy up kind of system where we've got the kids who come and they be involved with the senior stuff and the senior. Um, players, they come in and be involved with the junior stuff, and it might be, you know, hot dogs, or it might be like, I don't know, collecting the balls, uh, ball girls on match day for mm-hmm. NPL, you know, all these little things where they're just around mm. and just um, being a part of the club. And that's normal for any club. So everyone should be included. So I really like what you're saying about the holistic environment. That's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. And those
3: one yep. percenters make such a difference. Yeah. those, uh, you know, having a few more supporters at each game, having the seniors be involved, um, they they really make a make a huge difference. And um, you know, we're lucky enough. We're sitting here. We've all played to an mm-hmm. extent. Um, some of us as coached, if not all. And um, the the game can change lives. Sport yeah. can change lives. And and I think. Um, Um, A a testament to the Manchester United Foundation, Telethon and Football West um, for for really making this pipe dream with very, very short turnaround time, if you Mm -hmm. consider the visit, um, was in July 2019 to to get this league up and running in a COVID year that has never been done before. Mm -hmm. It's really a testament to everyone involved.
1: So where does this fall with Football West? My obvious question is that the inclusive officer at Football West, which was Gordon Mm -hmm. Deuce for nth number of years, had expanded – Uh, well, the Football West had expanded his parameters uh, pre-COVID, I would say, um, to uh, multicultural football, um, ethnic programs, uh, inclusive programs, the Equal Footing Ball. There were so many different things in that portfolio Mm. and I'm not even sure that there's someone doing that now. Mm. Um, Is this kind of uh, like just following from that, that there's a gap there now that has to be filled?
3: Yeah, I think COVID um, has done a few... Wild things um, to the community. I think the um, and I can't speak for for Football West and, and the State Sporting Association, but like many of the State Sporting Associations across WA, um, they were hit hard. Uh, a, a lot of um, employees were were maybe um, uh, stood down for a period of time. And, uh, but in in Gordon's case, in particular, he was integral in the beginning of this. He um, his expertise was was were really important. Um, it was a huge loss when he left. I think um, not only because of how long he's been there, but but the vault of knowledge that that he, he was. He was
1: encyclopedic. Yeah, he was, <laughs> yeah. and
3: and he was thorough. And um, you know, the, the 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 two major parties that I'm working with at Football West is is Sarah Duplessis and, and Jamie Harnwell, um, who have been fantastic. Um, they um, under the pressures of COVID and and running a whole bunch of other leagues, I think. Um, it was actually very timely and quite fortunate that Inclusion Solutions has been involved at this time, especially mm-hmm. with the likes of uh, of Gordon leaving because of how important he was in this space. Yes. So, um, you know, unfortunately, COVID's done things um, that... Uh, what we've seen in the diversity and inclusion space when when funds are restricted um it tends to be one of the first areas that funding's pulled from Mm -hmm. and um i actually think it it should be the opposite if anything it should be where funding's put more into Mm -hmm. Uh, and the main reason for that is if you're talking about a marginalized group and there's even less funding that group is just further marginalized and um and i think um we're learning um in terms of, of what inclusion and diversity looks like into the future. Um but I also think there's a, a huge opportunity now for that education space on what is inclusion, what is segregation, what is integration, what are all these different terminologies and, and how can we best use wording and how can we best use the ethics to ensure that whatever's being put together is a true reflection. Of what they say it is and and in this case it's very much an integrated league yes it's including all people but it's integrating a marginalised demographic within clubs and groups
2: mm-hmm. um, Yeah I know that um, I've recently been lucky enough to be a part of a programme that the AFC had put together in partnership with Aurora um, which selects um, a player from each of the youth teams in the Asian Confederation to do a Uh, a three-week training course online about stuff like um, social development goals and inclusivity and diversity and I think just um, and then at the end of the program you go into your local communities and work with your member federations to put together a project to implement something in your community and um, I think that's a massive part of it is just getting out there and educating, especially educating young people because, you know, it is the future and if you're educating a young society on you know, the proper ways and the open-mindedness and how to yep. be inclusive, then it does just create a next generation in a world that I think we all want to live in. Yeah. So before we cap off this conversation, because we're going to have to
1: pick up with uh, Gary Merocchi, um, give us some of the clubs that
3: are involved with yeah, the program. Yeah, sure. um, So the, the inaugural year, so Dianeella, um Junior Soccer Club, Maccabi, Vic Park um, or Victoria Park Soccer Club, um, Baldivis, Foot, Baldivis Districts Football Club and Western Knight Soccer Club as the five um, competing clubs. And EOIs, um, uh, the EOI has been sent to Football West that will be distributed to all WA Metro clubs. Um, so if your club would like to be involved, please. Um, pull out that EOI, get it back before the 20th of November um, because that's when we are starting to plan the 2021 season.
1: Fantastic. Good work, Adam. Very interesting Mm. conversation and good work.
3: Uh, Definitely work uh, that everyone that has been involved needs to take credit for. Um, I was just uh, happened to be on the radio
1: today. (laughs) Yeah, rewarding stuff, I think. Um, We're going to have a break and come back and have a chat to Gary Morocchi, who's out in the football field right now. This is Penn, Adam and Miranda on the World Football Programme. Back in a moment.
0: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. The World Football Programme is a community programme run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support.
5: Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. station sponsor.
3: Playing football. Is it discovering your passion?
6: Or is it having fun with your mates? Is it celebrating greatness? Representing your country? Or is
0: it
5: the perfect play? Find out what playing football means to you. Register to play at myfootballclub.com.au
1: And looking forward to a season 2021 now, Football West and FFA. How do you all personally look at how season 2020 has panned out? It's an interesting question. It's been a a different year this year. Welcome, Gary Morocchi, president of Perth Soccer Club. Thanks for joining us.
9: Uh, Good morning, Penny. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: No problem. It has been a pretty strange year this year for a lot of people. How do you see season 2020 panning out for Perth Soccer Club?
9: Well, it's obviously been a very uh, up and down season for us, but uh, we win or draw today, we're still in a chance that we could win midweek and then play in the grand final. So very strange uh, what's been set up this year, but you can only do what's in the competition rules that have been created. And uh, so we're still alive, which really we shouldn't have, don't deserve to get that chance with the position that we were in in the early stages.
1: Well, that's it. And, and you are talking about the men's National Premier League. Got, got to be careful here because the women's National Premier League, you've done pretty damn well in your inaugural year, uh, sitting second on the table at the moment. So, congratulations.
9: Yeah, no, we're, we're very impressed and very happy with how our girls have gone this year, considering it's our first ever senior uh, competition that we've played in. We didn't do that well in the Night Series. We expected that because we we had players coming uh, to us after the night series finished. And, you know, i got to give full credit to Danielle and her girls uh, to finish second. Uh, you know, it's a, a great feat considering, you know, there's teams like Redbacks, there's teams like Belcata, uh, Fremantle City that have been around for a long time. So, you know, we've put together a very good squad and uh, we're very pleased, you know, first year. Hopefully uh, we can finish second and then have a chance in the playoffs. So Danielle's done a fantastic job and, uh you know, we've set the scene. Um, you know, our girls play probably on the best uh, stadium for women's football. Uh, you only have to see last night's game at Watt Park. I'll, I'll just let you comment on that. That mm-hmm. was, I thought, a uh, uh, very poor standard uh, uh, field to play a you know Premier League game where you got one of the fantastic goals of the year there. The yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw the goal from uh, Katarina Jukic. It was a fantastic goal, mm. uh, but. <laughs> at a better venue, probably would have been a better spectacle, but not to worry.
1: But it's like that across the whole of the top leagues, isn't it, Gary? I mean, you look at Balkata's ground that um, can be flooded and games can be called off, and yeah. we're talking men's NPL and women's NPL play in the mm. same park, and then, yes, Warhop, and then you've got the standard of Mum FC's Murdoch Stadium, the, the turf there. So there's a real range across our top leagues of facilities.
9: there's certainly the case, and I would I think in year two... Obviously, clubs need to get to a minimum standard. I'm not aware exactly what the rules are, but uh, I think uh, there was a bit of leniency in uh, the first year, but mm-hmm. let's hope that uh, common sense prevails. And, you know, for the, the good of women's football, you know, they want to be playing on good facilities as well. So, uh, But it's been a you know, very close competition. You've got to give full credit. I think top six clubs and even Curtin University towards the end, they've mm-hmm. been very competitive and... Uh, yeah, you know, I think um, other take Subiaco out of the equation. The you know the other seven teams have really you know given a good account of themselves, and it's a credit to all those girls that are playing with those clubs.
1: I see that you've been supporting the girls when they've uh, travelled, which is uh, fantastic. As a president, good job there. What's your thoughts on travelling to new clubs that you haven't before in the women's space?
9: Well. Uh, you know, I try to get to as many games as I can. Obviously, I'm quite busy, but uh, I, you know, I go to junior NPL matches as well. And uh, you know, if I can, um, I'll I'll go to games. And I think tomorrow we play NTC at Celebration Park. So hopefully, I can get down and uh, watch that game. And you know, it's you know, we've got them in the competition, so we have to support them. There's no point, uh, you know, not giving them the support. And uh, we just hope that we'll be able to attract, you know, even more quality players to our team for, for next year and uh, go on to better things.
1: What do you think about the resources available to women's football and some of the clubs in that women's NPL space compared to clubs in the men's NPL space?
9: Well, that's a difficult question. I know there's been some clubs that have been around a long time, but you know, for the women's game in this country to uh, to get better, clubs have got to start doing a bit more work themselves. They It's not going to get handed on a plate to the clubs. Um, so, I, you know, I just urge all the, uh, you know, MPL women's clubs, you know, go and see your councils, you know, put a delegation to councils, try to get better facilities. And, uh, you know, we're in a space at the moment that uh, the ones that have got the best chance of getting grants and that are if you're involved with women's sport. And, yeah. you, know, that, you know, and I'm not uh, uh, being derogatory to girls. It's the way that, you know, the government set up and if you can put a good case together you've got a good chance of getting some funding and that would help to uh, improve the facilities uh, across the board and then what does that do? It'll make the standard of women's football even better. And, you know, sooner or later... we'd love to see the day where we could actually start paying girls to play football. If the men are getting paid, why shouldn't the girls get paid? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and and look, you're right. If the facilities are good for everybody who wants to come and play football, then more people will come and play football. So if there's a girls' change room and an inclusive change room and so on and so on and so on, then all of those groups can participate in the sport equally, and that's what we want.
9: Well, you know, our club. We've got two women's, uh, I call them female-specific dressing rooms, and uh, you know, it makes them feel at home. Um, but uh, you know, not to say other clubs haven't got it, and uh, you know, Melbourne's got a fantastic facility there at uh, the university on the synthetic field. Um, you know, if all games are played on the surface like that every week, you'd see the quality of the game would improve. And you know, I'd like to see the you know the younger players come start coming through and. Um, you know, Perth Glory's got to be uh, the one that actually is the catalyst for that. And, you know, every girl should be aspiring to play in the W League and, uh, you know, and hopefully they come and play NPL and then go to the next step. So let's wait and see what happens.
1: Yes, so next step has to be there will be a Perth Glory and there will be a W League. In that W League space, Glory haven't appointed any players. No. Sydney have managed to power ahead and they've got mm-hmm. probably their whole squad already mapped out.
2: Yeah, I do know a lot of the um, teams have, you know, Bar Melbourne, of course, but um, a few of the teams have started pre-season already, um, are getting groups together. Um, You know, Sydney have obviously published a a squad list and stuff like that. So I do think, you know, it would be good if Glory begin to get things sorted out so um, players know where they stand. Yep. Gary, Will? it's
9: It's very disappointing at the moment, you know. They normally play out-ground. We haven't had any contact with Berth as yet. Yeah. Obviously, there's a problem with Victoria, and there's two teams out of Victoria. And there's no... Unless the border's open, um, I can't see a competition starting for a while because um, there's no way the FFA can afford a, a hub for women's football mm-hmm. in this country. And I don't think the girls would be able, available anywhere because no. a lot of them are all still working. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it's not... You know, if you have to travel and stay away for three or four weeks yeah it's going to be impossible so unless hope common sense prevails and you know the borders do open and you know the teams are able to travel because it'll be a Real injustice if the W League's cancelled for you know the 2021 season.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, same thoughts mm-hmm. go for the A League and what's going to happen there. When will it start? We've got Fox Sports commitments we have to meet, and then that finishes, I think, in June. So that means a pretty compact kind of A League season. Mm-hmm. It's there's a lot of questions, Gary. Yeah,
2: there was there was a um, a stat released about the A League in winter about the pace of the football increasing. I don't know if you saw that, but um, the I technical... know, oh, I
1: have, no, I'm well up to yeah.
2: speed with
9: it, and. Uh, there is everyone's aware there's obviously a big push to, uh, for football in this country to go back to winter. Mm-hmm. And I'm involved in the, um, the AAFC, which is pushing for a, you know, a championship model, which is the second division. Yeah. And the big question is, do you run in summer or do you run in winter? Uh, yeah. but the A-League, my understanding is the A-League is looking eventually to go back to a winter competition. And that's going to be interesting to see what transpires in the next six months. And, uh, it's going to be interesting. So just watch this space.
1: What yeah. do you think about that personally, Gary?
9: Well, to start off with, I think there's no way you could have um, you know a national second division starting in winter. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah, we've got to get up and running. And uh, at least if you started in, in the summer period, uh, you'd be able. You know, players could play NPL and then play in the national second division mm. team if if they were selected. But uh, you know, eventually, down the track, it has to be, if you have a second division, the model would have to be that it would run underneath the A-League and at the same time. Going up against Aussie rules and that in winter, I don't know. Uh, but it is a traditional game in winter, and, uh, it, you know, it's all to do with uh, crowd availability. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, sport getting on TV. You know, you've got, you've got rugby, you've got uh, rugby union, you've got uh, soccer, you've got Aussie rules. So, TV space is very cramped. So, you know, it depends on how much money you can get for the deals that you get. But uh, at the end of the day, sports governed by the dollar that you can get from TV coverage. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. There's going to be some very tough decisions made, but hopefully, it's in the best interest of the game.
1: What do you think about the current A League model and how the B League? Model might affect that, and owners of the current A League teams and how they might feel about a B League coming in and how it might affect well, their space.
9: I don't want to get really involved in the politics of it, but let's have a think about how the A League you know, the last couple of years. There's no promotion and relegation, so what happens is a team sits down near the bottom of the ladder. They they don't need to do anything because they know they're in the league next year. So what happens is. It gets stale. Attendance uh, has dropped uh, and interest drops. So you have a look at the Premier. I'll give you an analogy of the Premier League. You've got the top seven or eight clubs that are fighting tooth and nail to get into a European Championship position yeah. for a European Cup. The bottom five or six or seven or eight are, are playing for relegation. So the you know the competition is live right to the end. The interest is live right to the end because. Mm-hmm. If you get relegated, it could cost the club a hell of a lot of money. Or if you get into the, the top six or top eight and get into Europe spots, there's a big income for the club. So, mm-hmm. But we don't have that incentive here in Australia. You know, they're privately owned clubs. That I know the owners are losing money, but you know, the bottom clubs don't have any incentive to do any better because uh, they're still in the league. Yep. But if, if a relegation came in, you'll end up seeing that come uh, halfway through the season, if the clubs are not doing that well, they'll be trying to do something to encourage you know, better quality players for their club to try to get them out of, uh, of a problem. And, uh, you know, competition has to come into a into our league. If, if there's no competition, it just goes stale. Yeah.
1: What do you think 2021 is going to look like here? Do you think it'll reset to a normal season next year?
9: I would hope so, but let's be honest about it. If, if you have a think of the, uh, you know, the second-tier football competitions around the, the country... I know they're uh, putting bringing in 30% reductions in pay uh, and expenses for all the teams so I would hu- expect it would have to flow across the board into other sports you know sponsorships to probably be down in 2021 because some companies would be feeling the pinch of uh, covid t- you know in 2020 you know I only hope for the games sake here that uh, you know everyone gets behind their clubs and we can remunerate our players the same as we have been in the past because we're down a lot lower than what the Eastern States clubs are paying.
1: What do you think about the digitised platforms that seem to be quite well hailed at the moment from Football West and maybe uh, making oh, use of FFA? Do you think it's a, in a model that we should expand on?
9: Well, I'll give you an example. You know, you get all the, um, the NPL games get uh, they live-streamed streamed. every yep. week and the under-20s are live-streamed every week and the women's are live-streamed. Now... I'm trying to work out what is the sense of live streaming an under twenty game, and the re- I mean you know you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work it out. The, all these games are getting streamed because betting agencies are using all that information. So I'll let the the listeners uh, make their own analogy about it. Uh, <laughs> we're not allowed to put an we can't put an ad on the um, on the um, live stream. Uh, so how do, a club our club doesn't benefit from having live streaming of our games so i I would only hope west in 2021 allows clubs to benefit by allowing their games to be streamed uh, otherwise whats what does that actually do we get you know, if it's a wet day people stay home and don't come and watch the game so they can see it on TV why would they pay ten dollars if it, uh, if they can stay home on their lounge chair and watch the game on a big screen so you know it's all right having live streaming but clubs have got to be able to get some revenue from it
1: yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. What do you think then about FFA and I I think it's um, Melbourne, uh, Victorian football have got uh, their own TV platform now and which is very well patronised and I think there's some kind of financial model and I need to look more into that but there's some kind of financial benefit where the FFA – sorry the FFV, have um, benefited financially and then money goes back to the clubs from that. So they must have some kind of sponsorship arrangement.
9: Well, that's what that's what we need to, uh, to you know, if clubs um, can get off their backsides here in Perth, they might be able to organise it themselves and they can make some money. But, you know, I don't know if the governing body will allow that. So mm. everything's got to be channeled through the governing body. So, but, you know, the clubs need more revenue. The only How are we going to get revenue? So... Today's uh, world, the digital era, is where the opportunity's there, so let's hope that common sense can prevail and clubs start getting something back by having their games streamed. And Eventually, it doesn't do it. I don't know what benefit it is to the code, uh, having the game streamed, if clubs can't make any money from it. Mm -hmm. The only ones that are benefiting by are the people that are uh, betting on the games because they've got some vision that they can see. So. it's it's something that needs to be resolved, and uh, it happens right across the country because uh, I've spoken to a few people in Melbourne, and they have the same opinion. Initially, uh, it's because it's been sold on. Um, the FSV don't have would, or didn't have control of what's going on, and the other platform is the one that's making the money from the betting on the game. So, let's hope that uh, you know we can get together with all the governing bodies, and hopefully allow the clubs to benefit by having their game streamed.
1: And before we let you go, what challenges has Perth Soccer Club faced this year? Has it been different in how you've managed the club and what has worked that hasn't been well, in place in previous yeah. years?
9: Well, COVID-19 has been very difficult for us because our, our club's got the highest cost base of any club in the, uh, in the competition. Um, we've still got to pay our council rates, our council fees, etc. One thing I've got to say, I've got to give full credit to all our coaches and our players um, for their efforts this year, because they have uh, played without getting uh, any remuneration, which uh, we're very uh, pleased that they accepted that, and uh, we've given full credit for making that decision, and that's allowed us, obviously, to be uh, sustainable in this uh, very difficult period. And We weren't able to use our club rooms for about three months, so there was no revenue coming through the club. So, um, you know, now we're back to, well, hopefully we're nearly back to normal and hopefully we can generate uh, further income in 2020 and into 21 and go back to where we were in previous years. So it's been a very difficult year, not only for our club, I think, for every club in Perth. It's... Uh, been uh extremely difficult.
1: It has. Gary, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time today and good luck with all your fixtures coming up over the next few Thank weeks.
9: Thank you very much uh, Penny. Uh I'll keep listening. Thank you love. Bye. Good bye. On you. Bye. See ya. bye.
1: That was Gary Morocchi, the president of Perth Soccer Club. Guys, it's time to finish talking football. It has been two hours. It flies. (laughs) Thanks, Adam. Appreciate your time today. You are welcome to come back and chat football anytime, young man. Miranda, as always, thank you. (laughs) We'll see you again. And everybody who's been listening in, thank you, thank you. Sean's up hosting next week. It's the Jazz Bags Groove with Len up next. This has been the World Football Program. Tune in out for this Saturday. Enjoy your football.